Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree, and today I'm chatting with professional dominatrix and New York nightlife icon, the fabulous Venus Cuffs. And today we'll be discussing all things kink. Just how natural is it to our everyday lives? What kink might be a dangerous one? And how to properly navigate all the etiquette that goes along with being a pro kinkster. You don't want to miss it, so here we go. Welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree. I am honored to have the super special guest, Venus Cuffs, on the show. How are you doing? I'm, a, I'm doing pretty good. Amazing. I mean, considering every, all the craziness, I'm doing pretty well. No kidding. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so, so much. So today's mission, should we choose to accept it, we're going to try and dive in and understand the human side of BDSM. Is it a need, a requirement? How natural is it to explore your kinks? I think you're the person to, uh, to help guide us through this. I mean, would that be fair to say? You've got some experience? Yes, I, I'm the person for this, for this role, for this mission. <laughs> Could you give us a little bit of your background? I read the Paper Magazine article, and my God, do you come with one hell of a, an experience and legacy in the realm of BDSM. Thank you. Um, so I am a dungeon owner. I am a BDSM educator, fetish trainer, nightlife personality, um, and producer. <laughs> um, as far as my BDSM background, I was a pro dominatrix for 11 years. Um, I worked in a bunch of various different dungeons before I moved on to my own. Um, I super enjoy playing as a, also a lifestyle mistress, which is more, uh, the personal side of BDSM as opposed to in exchange for money. Um, I really enjoy playing and this is what this whole little setup here is for. <laughs> yeah, the personal side of BDSM. Yes. Go into that a little deeper for me. Give us, uh, give us a better understanding on that. <laughs> sure. So there is uh, what we call like the lifestyle side of BDSM and that's more of the day to day. Instead of like a paid session, I have personal submissives who uh, wash my dishes, who cook for me, clean for me. Um, I haven't paid a bill in maybe five years. Oh um, it, it comes with perks, but it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of organization. <laughs> say a lot of organization, right? Yes. Because everyone wants to serve and service you in all the many ways. And how the hell do you make everyone useful? Right. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a legacy both in Los Angeles and in New York. Is there a difference between kinks on either side of the coasts here? Oh, yeah. So, um, okay. <laughs> New Yorkers like Roth and Los Angeles. So, I'm not going to, like, shade or anything like that. They both have their own very unique, beautiful scenes. Um, LA is definitely the, the land of the glamour and mm. the fine latex and the leather and uh, just looking amazing and um, high protocol. I learned mo most of my BDSM protocol 
from some of the best mistresses out in, in Los Angeles and some of the best players in the game. Um, and I don't know if I would have had that same experience in New York. So I'm very grateful uh, for LA, the LA scene and LA doms for kind of instilling that in me. And New York is very vibrant and very community oriented. Um, and people tend to work together a lot and to make things happen. There's a bunch of great events in both uh, cities. No I have really, yeah, I have really nothing to say, uh, nothing bad to say about either scene. They're yeah, really good. I'm totally bustling, you know, ur uh, big city metropolis vibes on both sides. So you yes. put a lot of people in a densely packed area and minds just expand in all sorts of ways. We all influence each other. Uh, and I Absolutely. think that's incredibly exciting. Let's talk about your personal exploration of kink and perhaps some of that the, the fetish that you embrace in your life. How the hell did you go through this journey? How did you discover this side of yourself? To be completely honest, and I'm very open about this, like on my social media, um, it was difficult at first because, uh, you know, society has social norms for women, you know, like, um, women are expected to be everything and every anything at any time, <laughs> right? ex, ex, you know, except what we want to be for ourselves. Um, so we're expected to be the wives, to cook, to clean. There's all these like weird norms. Um, so like trying to find my place as a dominant woman was very interesting because I still wanted to have relationships, you know, I still wanted to uh, indulge in dating and all these things and being an alpha woman is not really something that's desirable <laughs> in the, you know in the outside world yeah, still so I had to start yes so I had to like start dating more submissive men and more submissive women within this like bubble of BDSM to really find the things that I wanted and needed from a partner. Right. And that's where the whole personal side comes in because now I've like entered them into my real life. Like, you know, um, we create a lot of like characters in BDSM, like Venus Cuffs is obviously not my real name, um, but I had to create this character to kind of exist in this world. And now I'm bringing submissives into my actual world where they may hear my real name from friends or something like that. Um, so, I mean, that whole process, it was hard, but it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Right. I mean, you must have just a, an incredible uh, background in power struggles in relationships just on this journey of trying to be your truest self. I'm, I'm sure that along the road, having uh, intimate encounters, relationships, you meet people that might think they, they want to be with, you know, a dominant, powerful person, but ultimately yeah. sometimes that's not the fate, right? And that doesn't work out that way. I, you nailed that right on the head. Hmm. You nailed it right. Um, uh, when you date uh, and it's not in, but like within BDSM and mm. you know like everything's not like outlined right from the beginning like hey this these are the things I want and need you tend to like meet a lot of alpha men or men that just want to like dominate you in the bedroom yeah. they want to tell you what to do I even had one guy try to tell me what to wear which was like interesting oh. I was like uh 
Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, did he have a good fashion sense? Like, was it something you might have been able to pull off and say okay, or was it an absolute no game? It was no way. He wanted me to like cover up from head to toe, and he was very religious, and I, it just didn't work for obvious reasons. No, nope. <laughs> I'm not very religious. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of like what you said, it was a lot of the power struggle. Who's in charge? Who's going to say this? And who's going to say this? And it was just exhausting, you know? Um, and luckily I'm not in that situation anymore, but it was like yeah. really, really ridiculous <laughs> to be honest. I was like, you know, like the term fuck boy shit. <laughs> it's like a lot of fuck boy shit going on. Totally. Um, and it was, it was the same when I dated women actually, which, which is not really talked about as much, but there were even like masculine women that I've dated who had wanted to instill like the same societal norms into our relationship, which didn't make sense for multiple reasons in that particular relationship. Wow. Um, but there was there are a lot of like men in particular, alpha men that that date dominant women just so they can say they dominated or dominate dominant woman right it's some it's, trophy yeah like wow. i got her right right <laughs> i got her to settle down so to say right like that's it's it's a wild world and and the mental warfare that comes along with these power struggles is a whole other minefield you know and and i think everyone who's out there interacting with humans on an intimate level will have experience in that in their lifetime. But when we talk specifically about kink and about the realm of BDSM, so much of the mainstream looks at that as an underworld that is an isolated group of people that like to experience weird and painful punishments. And I mean, is it fair to say that every human being has a varying, you know, gradient scale of this need for kink in their life that, that just comes with us as humans? Absolutely. Hmm. Um, otherwise, how would professional doms, how would dominatrix make so many, so much money? Right. You know, who, who's buying all the, all these like, who's buying all the, the BDSM porn? Who's, who's right. buying it? I mean, what, what are we buying our own stuff? And you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, some, there's a market for it, clearly. And it's, it's, there's a lot of money circulating within the scene. And, <laughs> you know, be, myself, I was able to turn this into throwing parties full time without needing a second source of income. So, I mean, everyone kind of has it in them. I think the real issue is the stigma. People don't want to be stigmatized. They don't want to be put down for having certain fetishes, certain kinks, being into certain things. So they suppress it. They hide it. Um, they show up to parties. They hire a dom to get their kinks on. They watch porn to get their, their kinks on, which is all totally fine because everyone may not be accepting in their life, which is understandable. Um, but to say that it's some underground thing, no. I've, I've had sessions with corporate guys, uh, the guys who run the hedge funds, uh, who, who's paying my bills, hint, hint, yeah. hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? 
also being the ultimate nightlife person, because your whole career just blows my mind. Like you've got your hand in so many of these elements that really put life into us. You know what I mean? Whether it is the intimacy and exploring your sexual kinks, fetishes, and what you're curious about, but also nightlife. So just for the fun yes. of it, let's talk about your ideal New York night out from start to finish. What would it be? Where would you go? Oh my God. <laughs> so, okay. First off, I would probably plan to attend multiple parties in one night because Uber exists hmm? or Lyft or whatever you want to take. All these, you know, ride share apps exist. Hop from party to party, go bar to bar. That's the first thing I'm going to plan out. I'm going to look for, <laughs> I'm going to look for the freakiest shit in New York. I want the freakiest parties. I want good turnouts. I want to be the places where everyone, you know, is it, the, the positive energy, right. the energy I feed off of the energy. Yeah. Yes. Also mind shit. I will bounce from a play party to a swinger party to a dance party at another club. I'll go to drink, and then I'll go rest for a minute, eat some food, right. drink some drinks from a local bar. Then all of a sudden, where am I? I'm at another play party. <laughs> and then maybe, a, yes, and I'll end the night, I'll end the night uh, probably dancing at a club or sitting at, at a table with one of the clubs I work at. Mm. That's how I, <laughs> it's a perfect night. And just letting the sizzle kind of run through the body at that point, right? Cause you're Absolutely. fueled by it all and stimulated. I love that feeling. I love that come down after a perfect night. Yes. Oh, delicious. Has so, to be lots of dancing, lots of making out, lots of drinks. Well, yeah, that's yeah. how you really, you know, you exercise all of the, 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 the demons and the goddesses in you, you know? You, you <laughs> gotta get all of that. I'm, I'm a big sensory person too, and I, I know I need to check a lot of boxes for the perfect night out. Yes. In the right city to do it. When you see Fifty Shades of Grey, the book or the movie or a poster or hear a reference or see it in someone's home, or in someone's life, like when they make that their Bible of their sexuality, how does that make you feel? I cringe personally. I do cringe because it's so unreal. And this is where I start going into like little rants. It's so unrealistic. Totally. It's so, it, the first issue that I have as a dominant woman is it kind of feeds into society's need for a submissive woman at all times. And it feeds into that, you know, the, the masculine, you know, the role of the masculine man coming in and swooping her off her feet. It's just so unrealistic. There was no conversation. No. There was no uh, safety precautions. It's kind of like, I'm going to give you a contract and I just want to fuck you. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just it's so many parts this unrealistic. How many billionaire doms are there? They're going to be out there just like, it's just, the whole thing was, was kind of crazy. Um, and I think it's more cringeworthy that people are taking something that was meant for entertainment purposes and turning it into, you know, something they base their real life on. Thank you. A life guide. A fucking life guide. Life. Yeah. It's a lot. It was, ugh. I mean, I've, when, I remember when that movie first came out and mm -hmm. there were people coming to events that I was having that have never been to a play party before, never had any kind of kink or anything like that happening in their lives. And they would show up with the book in their hand. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. And 
page yes. nine is happening in that corner over there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I'm interested in doing this. How can I do this? And I'm like, you brought the book with you? Oh my God. To a play party? It was the most interesting experience ever. They turned out to be very awesome, very cool, but there had to be a lot of re-education going on. Right. Um, because uh, I refused to let him walk into an event and think he was just going to pick some girl up and, you know, bring her back home and make a contract. It's heartbreaking because that, you know, what we're seeing is a, a very valid demonstration that humans want to experience something like this because they don't yes. understand what it is or know how to ask for it, but they're getting their facts and all of the rules that they need for this world from a fucking Hollywood movie. Yes. And that's just not how the world works. You don't apply right. that in real life. And there's this this um, misconception, I mean, I, I'm speaking as someone who does enjoy uh, getting a good spanking, giving a good spanking, having feet in my face, you know, like I'm, I've explored, I've dabbled, and I'm very much a fan and, and a lover of the, of the realms and the worlds within BDSM, but so much of the mainstream public, let's say, they like to associate kink and uh, this kind of kink play, fetish play, with sexual gratification. But what else is there? What other benefits are available to people that are, I'm going to say, consumers of, of kink? So, oh, that's, that's such a good question. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so... Kink can be something that can be so rewarding, so healing. Um, I am somebody that's a survivor of a, a sexual assault. Okay, I'm just gonna lay that out there. Um, being a part of BDSM helped me reclaim my sexuality. Um, there is a period when you're healing from any kind of sexual trauma where you feel out of control, like you, you don't have agency to your own body. Um, you may not feel like you have the power to uh, set boundaries the way you should moving forward in sexual relationships. BDSM kind of gave me my voice back. It helped me heal, heal from my trauma. It may not work for, for everybody who's had trauma, but it works for me. I was able to find my voice again. I was able to set healthy boundaries again with partners. I was able to explore my own body and know I want to be fucked this way, not this way. I want to be licked this way, not this way. Mm -hmm. um, so healing is definitely one of the things that I see very often, including with myself. Um, also, BDSM is not always about sex. It's not always sexual. Um, a lot of BDSM is very psychological. It's about getting in the person's head, um, being able to play with power is power exchange is very, it's a mental thing, it's not physical. You can't, you can't always, you know, hit somebody into submitting to you, but mentally you can make that happen. Um, so it's not always about sex. Sometimes it's just the feeling of letting go. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the feeling of having someone else make decisions for you. Um, sometimes it's just behavior modification. Mm -hmm. or um, needing to explore different parts of you that you didn't think were possible. Um, these are all things that are essentially not rooted in sex in any kind of way. And that's what makes BDSM so unique. Yeah. Um, because you don't always need to come at the end to feel satisfied. 
right. after a scene. And it's, it's, it's really amazing if you really put your head into it, if you really get into it. Yeah, I mean, that's what you said there about the healing quality of it. it people can go a lifetime having this very terrifying uh, experience with surrender. And yes. it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, surrender is something you can reclaim and something that you can uh, take back and have a new understanding of. And I, I, I'm with you on that. And that's something that I, I wish more people had an understanding or a grasp of or even uh, an ability to let in would be the reality that there is a healing in BDSM. And yes. it could be an avenue a lot of people could find healing in for themselves if they were to pursue it the right and responsible way, which is... Okay, so the right and responsible way, you know, that's not in Fifty Shades of Grey, is communication, communicating with your partner, making sure you both are on the same page with, with the type of play or kinks that you want to indulge in. Mm -hmm. um, we call them negotiations. You have to negotiate. You have to constantly communicate. You have to uh, be honest about your needs. Uh, and the things that you want out of a scene. So if you are having, planning any kind of play with anyone, you, this is the time that you are honest, right? You can lie to yourself all day about, hey, I'm into this, but I really don't want to explore it. But with a partner and, you know, the floor is open for you to explore these things. Yeah. Now is the time where you can be honest and actually dive into these things. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I've, I always had a thing about getting my toes sucked. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a wild feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just Great. getting your toes sucked. Um, or, you know, having, you know, one of my subs always had a fantasy of being fucked really hard in the ass. Yeah. You know, but as, and that's another thing, as a man, he didn't feel like the surrender was natural to a man because of what he's been taught from his father and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very suppressed way to live. And within BDSM, you have the, the, the opportunity to explore all of these things. But like you said, it needs to happen the right way. So the first thing was negotiations. Consent is very, very, very big. Um, you can't do anything to each other's body without the consent of the person you're doing it to or with. Um, so that's where the understanding and the communication come in without negotiations, it's impossible to have consent. Mm -hmm. Unless you just consent to non-consent, which is a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. um, You'll check in along the way when that's the, the rule, right? Yes, you have to, you have to. Even if you get consent for everything that you're about to do, it's still a good idea to still check in throughout. Because right. you never know, somebody may think they're into something and then change their mind while it's happening and they're not enjoying it. Um, I recommend also having safe words for that kind of thing as well. Um, so my universal safe words, because they're easy to remember, are red, uh, yellow, and green, which are like the traffic lights. There you go. Um, yeah. So red is like, just stop. Yellow is slow down. And green is, I'm good to go. I usually like I usually like to make mine whoever my partner's like dog or pet is and they enter the <laughs> <laughs> It's always a great surprise. Other than that I go pine cone because it's a weird word you don't say it often and so to hear it you're pine cone it immediately pulls you into something. Yes, that's yeah. a good one, actually. Sure. But for people that want to explore kink and BDSM uh, without 
professionals without going to a play party say that they want to start bringing it into their relationship that maybe it's a relationship they've been in for the last 10 years or so and they're finally starting to express and explore what's like the etiquette around that how do they do that safely and respectfully without a professional in sight okay so this i have to go right back to communication comes first hmm. communicate with your partner talk about the things that you both want to get out of it talk about the things you would like to indulge in what are some secret things that you're into but didn't feel comfortable sharing before that would be the time to begin hmm. so there are past communication there's a bunch of different options okay um i would recommend taking a class together mm -hmm. um take a class learn some things together learn how to use certain techniques on each other and then implement them in the bedroom when you go home. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect day. I think that's a great day. Um, Put that on our can, night out. Yes. <laughs> um, you can take a class together. Uh, well, since we're all at home, you can watch, uh, as long as you communicate, I think it's fun to watch some porn together, get some ideas, get each other hot and ready, um, talk, about, talk about, hey, I like the way this person is doing that to that one, or this is what I like about what's happening in this scene, and try it, try it on each other, okay? Um, make Do some research, make sure you know where on the body to hit. If it's like spanking or impact play, know where on the body is okay to hit, where is not okay to hit. Um, if you're into rope, learn the knot before you tie it on a person. Um, so it really, de it depends on what kind of play they are interested in getting into um, because there's a bunch of different rules for like, you know, a set of protocol for each, each uh, thing that you want to get into. But overall, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's more work than people realize. It's more responsibility than what people realize. Um, even with anal play, you need to know, use a lot of lube. Hello. <laughs> I know that literally, like, how is that not just etched into, like, the Declaration of Independence at this point? You know, <laughs> the amount of times people think that it's, first of all, anal is a right, which is wrong. That's not something that just comes with your everyday sex. It's not something that comes yes. with a regular routine. But also, like, if you're the receiver of it, if you're on the receiving end, my God, be lubed, honey, to the point that you are comfortable. Yes. Mm. And start small. Start small. Mm. Everyone with anal, they like to start really big. They want to start with the biggest piece, big disaster. <laughs> start small, lots of lube, ease your way into it, use bigger pieces as you go if you're brand new to anal. Those are my tips on anal. <laughs> Note it. We're going to put little graphics up. Notes on anal from Venus. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Yes. Um, I hate to play devil's advocate here, but you know, a lot of people believe that anyone who's into any extreme kinks or fetishes probably has something wrong with them and they're a bad person. So I have to, I have to ask, when is a kink cause for concern? A kink is cause for concern when it's no longer BDSM and becomes abuse. Okay, that's, that's pretty much the only time where it's a cause for concern. Um, just judging people on how extreme their kink is, is not really, if it's too consenting adults, I mean, come on, like, let's all be grown ups here and just mind our business. 
Um, I'm into some very heavy stuff myself. I enjoy spanking people until they draw blood. I don't think there's anything wrong with that if there's two consenting adults. Um, but as I mentioned, the only time that you need to start worrying is when boundaries are starting to be crossed and, and lines are starting to be a little blurry. And that's what we call going into a consent violation or abuse. When you've talked and you've communicated the things that you want, and I didn't mention this, but you also have to communicate the things you absolutely do not want. What are your hard limits? What are your soft limits? What are things you're absolutely not open to doing? And if you've expressed these things out loud and somehow the person still wants to push you to do it, they're violating the, the trust, they're violating the communication and the consent that you trusted them with. So um, that's really the only time you should be concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so people, listeners, viewers, wherever you're watching and listening to this, please be alert for that. Be aware for that. Be on the lookout yeah. for that, that every step along the way, you're being respected in your play. Yes, and, and you're also respecting the other person. Um, if you are someone that doesn't remember things, you can go online. I think there's some uh, like online forms you can print out. Uh, it's called like a BDSM checklist mm. and you can go down the list and you can check the things you're willing to do, things you're not willing to do, and you can exchange it with each other. Um, and just so you know, like, Hey, I think I forgot this. Let me go over the checklist again before we start playing. You can also use it to negotiate and communicate and reach and check in with each other. Hey, are you still into this as you were before? Right. Did you change your mind about doing this? And, and if you are, you can be like, hey, yeah, I don't think I'm into doing that today. Yeah. I'm not in the right mind frame, you know? It changes. It changes every so often. It's really flexible. It's not that hard to be responsible about it, right? Like It's, it's not. It's a huge <laughs> thing to just look out for the other person and for yourself. And it's, right. it's, it's a comfort thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to I wanna talk a little bit about race. Uh, in regards to kinks and seeking out your kinks and those experiences. Now, if someone were to come to you, Venus, and say, a black woman in leather is my fetish, or a black woman spanking me is my kink, is that racism? Oh, this is a tough one. It's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's racism per se. I would say it's more of someone wanting to fetishize me, um, which some can argue is racism. I think, I think we have to be careful about what we call racism right away. Um, there's a lot of things happening in the world, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, a lot of protests that have been happening since, since you know, since it started, it's kind of just blown up. Um, we, we have to be very careful about what we attach to re actual racism and, and, and not, um, because a lot of people are still sensitive about this. But I think the question itself is a great question, um, because we get a chance to actually talk about something that not a lot of people want to talk about. Um, the dynamics of race within BDSM is always going to be at play. It's always going to be a factor. It's always going to be a thing. So for me to assume that somebody wouldn't have a fantasy about a black woman spanking them would be kind of naive at best. Um, 
of course it's going to exist where it crosses the line of racism is not respecting the person in the leather outfit if that makes any sense um when you speak over that person when you don't want to hear them when you just look at them as solely a sexual object for you to use that's when it starts getting cross you start crossing a little bit into is this person a racist do they not see me as a whole person or do they still see me as three-fifths of a person um and those are the things that kind of make me you know raise a little eyebrow um to fetishize somebody is completely dehumanizing. And I think um, the experience of having gone through that multiple times, uh, I never felt respected or heard. And it never really made me want to play with that person to begin with. There's nothing that turns me on about being fetishized. Um, worshipped, yes. Adored, yes. You're so sexy, yes, but not fetishized. It's just not sexy. Can you, can you break down the difference between being fetishized, being fetishized and being worshipped? I, I know it sounds like it might be a basic, but again, for listeners. Sure. Um, being fetishized is someone that, fet, okay, fetishizing or tokenism. When you see someone um, and you, can't, you just can't get past their skin color, you can't get past their race, they're not a whole person to you. They're just something that um, you would like to use for your own sexual gratification. Um, being worshipped means the person worships you as a whole entity, a whole body, a whole person. Um, so when I have a sub that worships me, they worship my feet, they worship my breasts, they worship, they love every part of me, they see me as a goddess, they see me as something so amazing, so beautiful. Um, whereas being fetishized is kind of like, just do this thing so I can come. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a person anymore. I'm just an object, which is unfortunate. It really, um, it strips the humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, re it really takes away from what it could be. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's. I think that's an incredible soundbite that you just let us all have right there. And I want to exclusively have that pulled out for more and more people. I want to put that on blast because it is that simple to understand. And that is where you can make change in your interactions. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Venus, can you speak about the baggage I don't know if that's the word for it, but the baggage that weighs on a woman who's not only living her sexuality openly, publicly, proudly, but a black woman that's living her sexuality as open and publicly and proudly as you are. Oh, it's a lot. I think um, it's until you are more comfortable with it and you kind of just do your own thing. Um, I had a lot of years of thinking that kink was for something, you know, was white people shit. And that's, that comes from, no, and, and no, no, and, and that's, that's a thing amongst black kinksters that we hear that a lot. It's all the time, actually. It is kind of funny because it's ridiculous, it but it's, but it's something we hear so often, um, particularly for a lot of black folks that grew up in the church. 
Um, the church is a big thing within the Black community, within a lot of Black communities. Um, and a lot of stuff that deviate from anything dealing with the church, with uh, deviate from what we normally see in like our culture, like music videos and things like that are just automatically associated with that's white people shit. So I, I used to hear from a lot of older black people when I was first getting into this, ew, what are you doing? Are you okay? Do you need to see a psychologist? Um, that's not shit we do. I don't know what all of that is. And it's just a lot of weird feedback, right? So you get that from other black people, right? Then from white people or non-black people, what you get is, um, sometimes being fetishized, the tokenism, um, being the only, what we call like the, the salt and pepper effect, where you are a couple of sprinkles of pepper in a large ocean of salt. Um, you are not really represented in kink. Um, the, a lot of the images that they put out there of dominatrix, uh, of a, what a dominatrix looks like doesn't look anything like me. You know, um, I am a fat black femme. Um, I'm also queer. I don't see a lot of doms that look like me, especially when I first started, I didn't see a lot of that. Um, so it kind of reinforced that that weird taboo of being black and kinky because it's like, is this white people shit? Do I have a place in this community? Do I have a place doing this? Um, and also, also being very mindful that black women are typically very hypersexualized in everything that we do. So right down to rap videos, um, the way black women are not taken seriously, um, wearing our natural hair, uh, black women are not taken seriously when applying for certain jobs um, because we're at the intersection of being both a woman and black. Um, that, that weighs very heavy and it's, it, it exists the same in kink, I think, times 50, because people see it as more of, uh, how do I say this? It's more about the respectability politics. Uh, you're a black woman, you're already supposed to be the help, you know what I mean? You're not supposed to be a full person, but now you're also sexual. Um, I don't know what to do with that, so I'm just gonna call you a whore you're just a whore, you're just a freak, you're sick in the head. Um, and there's not really, people don't know what to do with us really. Because again, it's not something that a lot of people even um, in our own community feel like we have a place in. So by the time we get there, we're, we have to deal with a lot of shit mentally uh, being a part of these kind of things that I feel a lot of non-black people don't really have to deal with. There's stigma upon stigma. It's a lot, and it is kind of it is kind of baggage. I want to call it traumas. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a lot going on there, but it's it's a lot to understand in a very short amount of time. Yeah. But it's it's really the stigmas that are killing it. So for other black women, young, old, whoever they might be, that are exploring, you know, this this pride in their sexuality. Do you have a message or perhaps some motivation so that there isn't yes. this isolated, lonely feeling? Um, find community. Find other black women that are doing this. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't only have to be 
you know, black women specifically, but it does help to have other people that look like you, that you can talk to about these things. Um, I found community even, I mean, amongst other white women, um, just, ha you know, sometimes uh, just having people that you can talk to about some of the things you experience, um, because a lot of the experiences black women face are a lot of, some of them are issues that all women face regarding sexuality because mm -hmm. we're not really supposed to be sexual beings. Um, find and your community. Worth, and yet part of our worth is sex. Yes! That Which out. is crazy! <laughs> no. Which is crazy! It's crazy! I cut it's, you off though, sorry. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Right? But I found, I found a lot of community. I found um, my mentor, um, She's a white woman and she's brilliant. She's been doing this for 25 years. And um, I, ta I talk to her a lot about my experiences and what I go through. And I think if I didn't have the room and space to talk to other women about what's happening, I don't think I would have gotten through this um, at all, to be quite frank. Um, but find your community, find others that look like you that can relate to you so you can talk to them. And keep doing your thing. See, whatever you have going on, you see it through, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else thinks. Because if I listen to what anybody, you know, was saying about what, what a woman should and shouldn't be doing, what a black woman should and shouldn't be doing, I probably wouldn't have even gotten this far. I'm quite sure you can, you have some of the same stories about what people thought about you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, just do your own thing and don't worry about them because sooner or later they're going to be wondering what is she into now what is she doing now you know people always come along after you're successful yeah. <laughs> but but keep doing your thing keep expressing yourself you have every right to express express yourself the way these men do out in these streets <laughs> you have every right so keep doing you Absolutely. Every little discovery that you make that stimulates in some way or another, keep figuring it out. Keep going. Yes. Don't back away from it. Lock it up and shut it out of your life. It's mm -hmm. exactly it. For all of the viewers that are going, my God, how do I be the best little sub for Venus? What would be <laughs> the ultimate, ultimate submissive move submissive uh, declaration of love and 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 total surrender to you how can they be their best sub to you they can start off by sending me a well thought out email because that one of my biggest pet peeves is someone that dms me and says hey where's the strap on don't be one of those send a very well thought out email <laughs> <laughs> introducing yourself mm -hmm. what are things you're looking for why are you looking for a dom why do you believe i am the dom for you do your research on me show me that you put effort into it um read up about some bdsm etiquette as a sub and how to contact me um don't ask for my personal name or number just yet communicate first and if you want to send a tribute please do <laughs> at all hours as well that office is always open right yes <laughs> <laughs> well venus where can everyone get in touch with you online and on social media um so all my social media is under uh at venus cuffs um no spaces or 
hyphens or anything like that. Um, at Venus Cuffs, and you can follow me, DM me, message me. <laughs> Thank you for all that you are, all that you do, and for making time today to join me in this conversation. You are sensational. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, everyone uh, watching, listening, hope you enjoyed this and get in touch with Venus. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye.